This podcast is brought to you by GA Sports. GA Sports is home of the O'Connor Slitty, Ireland's number one hurling ball used by 311 clubs nationwide. Hello and you're welcome to this week's Backdoor Football Show. Delighted to be joined by Mary McHugh and Johnny McGee, the Backdoor Football Analysts. Um, on today's show, we're going to have a look back on the 2011 All-Ireland Final between Dublin and Kerry, and then the 2017 Connacht Final between Goa and Roscommon, and then briefly touch on kickouts. Um, firstly, we'll have a look back on the 2011 All-Ireland Final. Um, we'll go to the Dublin man first. Um, a game probably that stands out for you, Johnny, as a Dublin supporter. Yeah, definitely. Um, that that game was, I suppose, um, a lot of hurt happened leading to that, to that probably breakthrough. It was a 16 years from the time of 95. And obviously, look, you had the in-betweeners. The, so the in-betweener players that we would call ourselves between the 95 and the 2011 panel. So... Um, a lot of emotion on the day. Uh, I remember being in, in the, what was it, the premium in the canal end, and well, I never felt the stadium sh- shake the way it did when Cluckers took over at that, that, that point, you know. But the, it was just, I suppose, a lot of emotion. You know, we spent nine years playing with Dublin, and uh, I said, like, all rolled into one. And just seeing lads who I played with, um, kind of cross the line, and, and those years of hurt, it was just like, it was just a mix of emotion, like there was a, Obviously, emotional happiness of of fair play was the light to be a dub, and the other the other side of me was like, "Jesus, I wish I was out there still playing, or you know, or happened in my area, you know." So, but um, but look, yeah, it was it was a fantastic day, you know. After all those years of hurt, and then there was probably a lot of mistakes in the opening quarter of that game, um, a lot of shots dropped short, um, a low scoring game really in the opening quarter. Yeah. Um... Well, you looked at the game. I looked a wee bit like the two teams were nervous. Dublin definitely were nervous because the first it was the first All Ireland final since '95. You know, we we played them. We played them in the semi final, and to be fair, I thought we had them that day. You know, we we uh, you know the pressure that got to them. I thought we and I know it wasn't a great game or nothing like that, but I suppose our tactics worked to an extent. We should have pushed on a wee bit in the second half, and if we did that, I think we would have beat them that day. Um, but like they, they had a phenomenal squad. Like, um, but as, as as Johnny alluded to, there was so much probably emotion. The media, the media probably hyped up Dublin a bit, uh, and you know it was Dublin's to lose going into it. And they 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 phenomenal players, but it was just to get that breakthrough. Looking back, it was the breakthrough that none of the rest of the country wanted to see. To be honest with you, because since then they have been nearly unbeatable. Um, but yeah, definitely in the first quarter. First half, even you know, through what am I saying? Throughout the whole game, you know, Dublin maybe to the last ten minutes were nervous. You know, um, they you know there's there's a lot of silly mistakes supposed throughout the game, and you said a lot of balls dropped short. Um, but you know, they they suppose they had the they had the class. You know, Brogan I think kicked six points that day. They had Connolly, they had Alan Brogan, Brian Cullen, Paul Flynn, Barry Cahill. That was a forward line. You know, there was that was a very formidable. And if you look at the Kerry forward line, you know, you had the two O'Sullivans. Gooch, Donaghy, um, Galvin came on, I think, after for Keanu O'Leary after about 30 minutes, and Donica Walsh, you know, two real, real top forward lines. So you'd expect it going into the game, there was going to be a real shootout between the two teams, but it wasn't. Um, 
you know, Dublin were coming off the semi-final, as I said, against us, where they'd only mm-hmm. kicked eight, eight points, you know, it was eight, eight four. I think that eight four was the final score in that day. And uh, there was a soccer match actually that day between Arsenal and United. I think there was more, there was more, more, more kicked in it. But um, it, it, going into the game, I remember it because I, I, um, I we we were just in the off season. I was in the bar, I was in a bar in Kilcar watching the game with a, with a few of the Kilcar lads, and we had this kind of a sweepstakes thing that you you pick out a number out of a hat about the time of the goal. And I remember mine was nineteen minutes, say, and Gooch scored the goal in the nineteenth minute. And I couldn't believe it. Hey, I was jumping around the bar. I bought a pint for everybody at the bar, anyway. So it was a good day for you in that sense. But um, yeah, it was a cagey enough, cagey enough first half. You know, looking back in it, there was no real standout player. You could have picked a lot of good performances. Kevin Nolan ended up in a man of the match. Um, Kevin McMenamin, you know, in my opinion, won the game for Dublin. You know, he probably was my man of the match looking back in it because he came on, he got the goal. Now it was funny. I was actually speaking to Tomas O'Shea this week. And uh, we we actually were chatting about that game, and he says, you know, he, any advice he would usually give young players would be um, to concentrate, no matter what you're doing, if it's sport, if it's life, if it's business, if it's school, just concentrate. His father, his father told him this this, this word going out every day, going out, and he said a lack of concentration probably by Declan O'Sullivan, a poor first pass in the middle third. turned over the ball, and and I think it was Brogan, Brogan, Brogan did a lot of the work, passed it on to. Um, McMenemy finished it, so um, it was a it was a funny old game, uh, but it was a great comeback. You know, to be fair to the Dubs, who were probably nervous, but they finished the, the strongest. And we suppose that started the whole thing about Dublin's bench. You know, if you look the previous years now or the, the the years following, it was always Dublin benches that got them over the line. Exactly. And Johnny, what do you think Pat Gilroy brought to the table to get Dublin over the line that year? Um, Pat, it was Pat's tour the final year, um, and what I felt Pat had learned an awful lot over the previous two years, and where he had a start of the weeks where they had been beaten, but or, or I think it was me bet them in, in the Leinster Championship, and they rattled off a tr- three or four goals, um, and then Kerry bet them well the year previous or the the following year. What I felt what he did was he scrapped scrapped it up, scrapped the book up, and got the lads and went back to basics. Took lads out of their comfort zone and went and found players that were going to go to the very ends that was required to win championships. And I think the one thing that I suppose what he solidified for me was it was that kind of play, uh, playing as a team, working together as a team, offensively, defensively. It was the team ethic that that was that was the ingredient. I would have felt over my time period with Dublin, like it was there. Nine, nine, nine years in total and then obviously underage but I would have felt you know, the, the trust I would have in my own club mates you know if I was to leave my position midfield and, and track someone else I knew someone else was going to slot in top of my uh, and, and my man you know we spoke about it there last week in relation to trust I think that was the one thing I felt that in the dumb teams leading in that in the, between 95 and, and 2011 was that kind of that ultimate trust in each other's teammates in doing their job but also helping out your other teammate in their job that they were covering your backside you know if you're helping somebody else out on the team and i think that was the big big thing that that gilroy did and i don't think he gets to, i don't think he gets the uh, he should get more credit he, he has got all the credit he deserves for what he achieved for that 2011 team for where you had I felt would have been players who were individually very good footballers, but collectively they weren't performing. 
And I think that was the thing that really got them across the line was that kind of collective camaraderie. And he broke broke them down. He got them training early. That he was the first. He was one of the first managers to bring in the early morning sessions, half six sessions. You know, taking lads out of comfort zone. How much do you really want it? And you know, and look, look what it, look what it transferred uh, transferred into. You know, and the likes of Paul Flynn and these guys. You know, the the character Stephen Cluxon, the mindset of those guys leading into the the success that came after two thousand eleven. You know, that's that's why I think he deserves massive amount of credit for for breaking the mold the two previous years and then uh, ripping up the scrapbook and, and and then going at it again. And like you know, um, I was only this is a podcast he was on Raymond Fennell there, hop the ball, and he was just about the mistake he made about twenty twelve where he took the eye off uh, watching Mayo and more he was pay more more concern about Donegal. And he said he'll never forget. He still haunts him to this day about you know, taking his eye off the ball and and not not doing what Jim Gavin would do and respect, play each game as they came. You know. To be fair, Johnny, like you know, I um, I, I've met Pat Gilroy a few times and he's an exceptional man. Like, but to be fair, for him to deal with that pressure, you know, of because like the media had blown you out of proportion every year until you was actually going to one one and yeah. it was I suppose it was such a hard job like to actually have all of that on your back the pressure of getting Dublin to the promised land and so and since ninety five you know that that took an exceptional man to actually control all that didn't it oh absolutely look um and here yeah, look Pat I suppose had a good man beside Mickey Whelan like I uh, Mickey I was very lucky to have Mickey Whelan but it was only for a short period of time gave me my like uh, debut in the Auburn Cup and league debut and but Mickey was ahead of his time like the training we were doing with Mickey was state-of-the-art training went totally against the grain of what the lads from of the 95 on the team had done where it was all kind of ball fitness work you know there was no kind of real long distance stuff it was all right. fatiguing with the football and Mickey was ahead of the game and players didn't accept that because they the try to trust that they, that that team of the early nineties had be have won lesser league titles, had gone to a couple of all Ireland finals and stuff. So, you know, he was ahead of the time, and there's a, a good story where uh, you know he was Mick Alvin and Keith Barr doing a warm up. They were manager um, and coach with Plunkets, I think it is. I'm not sure who the club team in Dublin at the time, and the lads are doing plyometrics warm up and stuff. And Mickey was Mickey said in. As you were doing, you wouldn't listen to me when I was doing that, which is 10 years, 15 years ago. <laughs> and now look at this, you know. But, you know, but uh, Mickey was a great character and he was look, he was one of the driving forces in amongst that group, you know. And that was the, you know, him and Mickey, him and uh, Pat Gilroy, you know, deserve a lot of credit um, for what they achieved. Um, and look, as as Mark alluded there, like, you know, Dublin, they didn't give up. And I think that the, the, the Kerry, made a couple of mistakes in that last 10 minutes which Dublin punished where I don't think that Dublin team would have done that if they hadn't done had put more as I put, say money in the bank where they did those early morning sessions where they had worked so hard where they know they, they they could go to that place where they'd never been before and I think that's what kept them going and as Mark was there like you know Kevin McMahon come in and you know to have the belief and if you look at the focus when he's that, that was you know the, the big thing when he scored a goal look at the focus on him after that he's telling the lads to, and he's giving them the G up and then telling the lads to focus on the kick out whereas previous forwards that scored a goal like that you know they would have been celebrating still do you know what I mean and I think yeah. that was the one thing that you could see with that group you know that what Gilroy had cemented into them you know 
And Meg, um, Kerry outscored Dublin eight points to three in the second half. Kieran Donaghy caught a ball and went for the save option of hand passing over the rear. But really, that's a, at that time, he should have went for the juggler because they had Dublin on the ropes at that stage. They did, they did. Um, but I suppose, you know, he, he goes for it and misses it. He, he's, he's a villain. Like, to be fair to Kieran Donaghy, he kicked a, a monster score to, to draw the game just around the 70s. Minute, uh, minute I actually for, I totally forgot about that score until I watched it back there this week. But that was a crazy... For, for a man that's not really notified for kicking big scores, that was a huge point. Like, it, um, I suppose Kerry, Kerry were comfortable until, you know, nearly they, 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 they made that silly mistake. Um, they, they seem to have, you know, we all sp- spoke about controlling. Uh, they did the game in control. Gooch, Gooch was flying. He kicked a lovely, he kicked a free and then he kicked a lovely point solo, solo, solo dummy back in and kicked it over the bar with his right foot. And that put them, put them four points up with about six, seven minutes left. And, you know, at that stage, goal or not, hey, you're, you're in a very comfortable position and it's only going to probably an, either an act of brilliance or a silly mistake. And unfortunately, probably both of them cost, um, cost Kerry because there was a lot of work to do even when, when Declan Sullivan lost the ball. Um, for, for Dublin to get that goal, and to be fair to McMenamin, you know he capitalised it and he buried it. And you know, he he won the free, he won the free at the end as well. The Cluxon, you know, the the famous Cluxon free, which which to be fair was 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 an enormous kick, you know, for for a man. It doesn't. I'm not saying doesn't kick free because we've seen him since, but you know we wouldn't be notified, you know, day in day out kicking frees to step up to that and just that the cool head and we 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 know what kind of cool head he has now, but. Um, at Kerry, I would say look back in that game with a lot of regrets because, as I said, they were in control. Um, they you know, around 60, 63rd, 64th minute, they're four points up. And then you look at any All Ireland final in the last 50 years, say you're going down the straight with four points, you usually see it out, you know. And I would say they they they, they, they feel I would say that's one they, they got away from them. Yeah, and Johnny, Dublin showed huge character. Obviously, Kevin McMillan's goal was a great goal, but I think Declan O'Sullivan would be disappointed there with his defending. Kevin Nolan got a massive score under huge pressure as well, and then Clutchton to kick that winner, but I feel Barry John Keane would be a bit disappointed with a bit of a lazy tackle there for the free as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, I think it was kind of the... Barry John Kenny was probably a bit eager to, to impress, and when you when you're coming in off the off the bench, your your job is to come in and keep it simple and, and do your job effectively and 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 give that kind of uh, emphasis on, on on finishing the game out. So you have your starters, you have your finishers, and I think he probably be a bit over exuberance in, in, in how he went about the tackle. But like you know, you mentioned Kevin Nolan there. Kevin Nolan is a fellow club on of mine and. You know uh, what a dedicated, dedicated guy. Um, I think he played under your dad as well, didn't he? Up in he did college. up in Jordanstown. I Jordan know Kevin yeah. well enough. I yeah. Kevin, lad. look, Kevin is probably one of the one of the nicest guys you you can come across. And Joe, you know uh, well, in terms of dealing with his diabetes and everything else, his career ended too mm-hmm. soon. And like you know, probably one one of the top footballers uh, I've I've had a pleasure to play with. And coach as a, as a as a as a manager and coach as well, um, and you know what he brings then is you know is the the kind of expertise and the the insight of of what he wants wants to bring to each each training session or each match. The detail he goes into is phenomenal. Um, and look, unfortunately, we won the championship with the club there last what two years ago, and unfortunately, Kevin was as part as, as was there involved at the start. 
and he hurt his back again and he you know he went for a back operation and like he was still looking to come back from it and yeah he's back playing junior football up in Monaghan where with his wife's club um which yeah. is great to see but like you know just the resilience of the man and like you know no prouder prouder croaks man or club man or double man when i seen him get man the match that night um you know to, to you know remember the days of picking him up over in dcu and bringing him to croaks training it was just to see him fulfill a dream and you know such a dedicated young lad you know that's it exactly and like the turnover of the players is something i was looking at i was looking at the Kerry team and there's no Kerry player now on the Kerry senior team who started that day and on the uh, from the Dublin players that started, there's um, seven lads who are involved now with the seniors. So a massive turnover uh, in both teams. Yeah, I suppose Kerry was was probably a bit more of an aging team at that stage than Dublin were. You know, Dublin, uh, a lot of them players were on the, the start of a wonderful journey. Um, you know, I think after the 2014 All-Ireland, the Kerry the, the won. You know, a lot of them, you know, that was it for them. Uh, they beat Donegal. Um, so, you know, a lot of them kind of just weathered away. But yeah, turnovers and players are, are in counties. You know, I think I, I looked at this a few, um, was it a league match this year or something like that? Donegal uh, had only two players playing from 2012. And, you know, turnover, I suppose with the, 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 the commitment nowadays and, and stuff like that, and there's always young talent coming through. It's, it's hard, you know, to keep all the players together for a time. But, um, you know, just including what jo- jo- Johnny was saying there, um, about um, about you know Dublin finishing, you know I suppose uh, I suppose Gilroy probably installed that, if not panicking, you know everybody you know Jim Gavin says everybody says that Jim Gavin was a man that Dublin never panicked, but they didn't they didn't panic coming down that stretch, you know watching that game back, I know they 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 had they had they had the option of taking on McMenamin, um uh, who who caused us problems actually when he came on in the the the, the, the semi final as well, um. We probably should have been a wee bit tighter on him, but um, you know they never panic, and we've seen that since the Dublin, the the, well, the the new Dublin as they would be, you know, since since that 2011 final that they uh, the only we we two glitches I suppose was the following year when they took their eye off Mayo, and then when Donegal beat them in 2014, and then players you know led probably by Cluxon, Flynn, Brogan, Michael Darren McCauley, you know them them kind of men, hey, they've just been uh, a phenomenal force, like so. Unfortunately, it happened, but it was always going to happen at some stage, I'm afraid. And um, they're at the pairs now. We've, been, we've tried to summon something to knock them off. Johnny, Johnny might not like here saying that, but sure, listen. Uh, I look here. With the five rows, we don't know. So, you know, I don't mind someone else winning. <laughs> That's it. And moving on to the 2017 Connick final. If you're looking at this game from the outside, you'd say Galway are odds-on favourites to do it. Promoted from Division 2 after beating Mayo, then Roscommon only to win uh, one game in the Division League campaign, uh, Round 7 against Cavan, and came through the easy route uh, of the Connacht Championship as well. So it was a bit of a surprise, Johnny, that um, Roscommon actually won the Connacht Championship that day. Yeah, no... I remember, I remember at the time where the all the goal were out, outright favourites. But look, the there's one thing about about championship, when you when you come to something like that, like you, you always have to res- pay the respect. As I mentioned there with Jim Gavin, uh, one game at a time, and I think Galway took their eye off and didn't pay Roscommon the respect that day, and that's where Roscommon, you know, came out and they they started pretty fast, and you could sense. 
from I felt an early early stage that this is gonna go one way, and like you know they were like they were very very effective you know and like Kevin McStay would have had those lads you know well drilled well ready for this and look I suppose when you're being written off from the outset that you're not gonna win this you know there's no better better motivation for a player to get up for any game is when you're written off and you're given no chance. Um, and I've been on those, and so Mark has been on where you've been given no chance, and it gives you that extra determination to, to show, you know, the doubters wrong and the ones who said that you weren't going to be, or you're going to be on the hide, or the side of a hiding, you know. And I think that's, I think that's why exactly what happened. Those are coming, and and they was they played some nice football that day, you know. Mm. There was some fast attacking football, and like God, we had no answer for them at times, you know. That's it, and. Ross Common obviously led 1-7 to 3 points at half-time there, but that pass by Jeremy Murta for Keen Connolly's goal, I think it's one of the best passes you'll probably see in the Championship probably in the last three years. But they obviously targeted Galway, they knew they were a defensive side, and they properly squeezed up in them and just went at goal. Yeah, it was a really sweet pass. I, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, it's funny, you know, I just watched I watched the Sunday game on Sunday night and next day he was Galway had hammered them, you know, the previous year. It ended up being a twenty point turnaround from 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 after the after the Connacht final and Johnny rightly said there, you know, Galway maybe took their eye off the ball, but you cannot uh hunger hunger's a massive thing in any sport, you know. It's a massive thing in life. Um and I suppose it's it's a wild hard thing to actually put into somebody. You know, I haven't. I need to learn a bit more how to try to get into players, maybe. But you know, uh, Ross Common definitely had the hunger that day. You know, they stayed, they came out of the blocks flying. Um, they had no real answer. It was in Galway's backyard, you know. And 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 back then, not 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 so recently when the Connacht teams are going down to Galway or Castlebar or Hyde Park and they're all beating each other down there in the last few years. But since that, you know, it was the first time I think in something like. Uh, uh, well, it was something like 2010, was it? They, they won their last, their, their last Connacht, and it was, um, it was something crazy. Uh, it was maybe 15 years or something since they had beat, um, beat Mayo or Galway in the championship. So, you know, McStay, Kevin spoke a lot about the preparation. They stayed in, they stayed in the Abbey Hotel the night before as a team. The management didn't even stay with them. You know, they probably had a meeting or two before, and they just let them at it. I suppose, you know, in a way that, that that's good. He wanted to bring them together. They were going to war, you know. They were supposed there was a lot of hurt hurt in them since uh from, from the previous year. And I've I've seen it as it happened to us. Um even, you know, you know, Johnny said that Dublin took the eye off the ball. We can say we took the eye off the ball in two thousand thirteen when we got beat to Monaghan. You know, after one on the Island, we got beat to Monaghan in two thousand thirteen and Ulster final. But at the end of the day, I don't think it was it was more so that the hunger of the opposition and to get that hunger, you know, Galway had had won. You know, they they were they, they were they were on the up, and they were everything was going well. So the hunger just wasn't there. Um, but yeah, the the the, the game itself, Ross Common played. As Johnny says, Ross Common played some class football. You know, the um, Enda Smith was immense. I think he caught four. It was the first year that the mark was in. I think he had four or five marks in the first half alone. Dominated the midfield. I know we're going to speak about it in a wee while. Kickouts was a massive massive. Um, Problem in that game, and I suppose it's what you get when you're trying short kickouts. We look at the second goal. There was an early point, early point for us coming as well. Uh, short kickout went astray, and they turned it over. But um, oh, it was it was it was a good game, you know. And was coming was fully fully, fully deserved of. 
that's it. And Mark briefly touched there on Roscommon's second goal, and I suppose they really got inside Rory Lavelle's head, and that can often happen in games now where you see another team getting inside the keeper's head, and it's just that one kick out, one moment can go wrong. But Roscommon finished the game very strongly, kicking the last six points of the game as well, but they did really target uh, Rory Lavelle's kick out that day. Johnny. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, they look, they, what you will find is like the players these days are going to go and do their homework on, on, on goalkeepers, forwards, and what way their kicker was being set up. And if they felt they could go after Rory Lavelle, and that's what exactly what they did, they pushed right up, they squeezed, they, they cut out the options. And, you know, when you have someone who is not used to that kind of pressure, you know, and you know, there's only one thing that's going to happen. Unfortunately, he's going to have a bad day. But I would also say is his his teammates didn't help him out in the sense of you know being brave and showing for the short kicker. Where you watch, there was times where you watched there there was just our goalie players walking out with their back to him, and uh, you know, and that's the one thing I always say to, to our defenders. I don't want you. I don't want the goalkeeper looking out and he's looking at your at your number. You know, I want you you walking your back or facing your goalkeeper, making sure that you're going to give, be brave enough to give him an option. Like you know, I use the example of Keane O'Sullivan. You know, we in the county final two years ago, we were playing St Jude's, and Keane went for 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 a short kick out. You know, didn't realise there's someone beside him, and and you know, Nick, Nick got turned over, but he went for the next kick out and won the next kick out, and it was short. But he made sure he made a proper run for it you know but that's where you showed resolve and and belief in your own self whereas i felt for rory the other day i think he was left short by his own players by you know they left them up the garden path so to speak you know unfortunately that's it and just finally touching mark um when a team like that wins a provincial title and there's such a famine do you think it can be hard for you see it in football in ireland these days that they're on such a high after winning that they find it very hard to get back down to earth for the following game. Um, I can only take it on our experience, you know. Uh, it didn't really happen to us. Um, we won, we won the Ulster Championship in two thousand and eleven. Uh, it was the first time since ninety two. You know, so there was a big, big. It was a bit longer drought nearly than than Ross Common had, and. We got to the semi-final, you know, I spoke about that, Dublin, you know, at the end of the day, they were the better team probably on the day, uh, they beat us. But the following year, you know, we had that taste of it, and I think we wanted more, you know, and I know we, we, McGuinness, uh, Jim and Rory was, was, you know, probably to the front of that and not letting us get ahead of ourselves and keeping us grounded. Um, but the following year, we just wanted more. Uh, listen, maybe, maybe, maybe teams... You know, it's, it's probably, it comes down a wee bit maybe to belief. I think, you know, there was a huge belief in with our squad that we, we could go on further and won in All-Ireland. After Roscommon, you know, they were getting relegated. There was pressure on them. Was this their All-Ireland, you know? Um, but, because, uh, you know, they, you know this last few years, you know, Roscommon's been there or thereabouts. They're probably, you know, take, take, take out the top six. You know, they're, they're seven or eight. But when they come to the Super 8, they're still not performing. Um like, I'm not saying they're not performing, they're just coming up against better opposition, maybe, you know. So, they were top of Division 2 this year, um, before before the whole COVID, so maybe maybe there's another spur. If some ta- the great footballers in Roscommon, you know, um, as we spoke there about Enda Smith, you know, he probably, uh, the, the two Mortis, um, you have Devani, you have uh, well, Donny Smith, uh, Donny Smith came on that day as well. He kicked an outrageous score, actually. I don't know what it meant at all. That one outside of his left foot, but um, 
Dave, real good footballers. Um, I would like, you know, you'd obviously like to see more teams competing at that level with, uh, say, the Dublin, uh, Tyrone, Mayo, Kerry, Donegal, Galway. Uh, you'd love to see more teams up there because it'll make for a better championship. But, you know, the, the history in the last few years has proven, OK, they're, they're, they might be good enough to get out of contact, but when they come to the big stage, they're not. So that's something they, they need to look at themselves. Uh, Ken McStay himself spoke about consistency within Ross Common on the Sunday game there on Sunday night. And, it, that, you know, he's, he, he nailed it spot on. That's, that's what they need. There's no point coming, you know, one year and having a great year and, and then the next year getting relegated out of a Division 1 and not following up. So... I can't. I can, I can just go with my experiences, Paul. About the the if you're on a high, it's, we it didn't happen to us. Um, you know, as I said, we won it for the first time in twenty odd years or something like that. And the following year, we we came back and we won all Ireland. So that was us. Um, Ross Common. I don't know. I I I can't. I can't really really speculate. But if, if if you're at if you're at that level and you believe in yourself that you can go on to win all Ireland, there should be no problem recreating it. Um, it's probably maybe that belief I I would say that they don't have that they're saying the Connacht is their all Ireland. Where the, the you know for for a lot of teams that is the scenario you know. Exactly, and Johnny kickouts are so important these days now um, in the game. Like it's given teams a lot of teams really nearly every team a platform really to build from the back. Whether it's short or out to your wing backs, and I suppose they're becoming more and more important in every year really in Gaelic football. Yeah, look, yes, well, look. The, um, the terms of goalkeeping has been revolutionised more by Cluxton and, and Niall Morgan and all these guys, you know. And look, I suppose when you have possession, you want to retain it. Um, and that's about how you go about doing that, you know. But like, you, you know, like everything else, everything needs to be worked on. Um, you know, there's, there's like, you know, there's teams that might not have the most talented, you know, backline or, you know, who might be brave enough on the ball to show for. So like, you know, do you want to concede possession or you want to be put under pressure in your own back line and like get a high turnover and be punished for it? Or, you know, have you got a midfield that you can get the ball out to and get it away from your goal line and you can put a bit of pressure on the breaking ball and that, that type of way and then try and win the ball back, you know? So, like, you know, Cluxon, in my opinion, is probably the most influential. Mark alluded to there the last time was the probably most influential player of our generation in relation to, you know, I've never known a goalkeeper. I think it was the 2013 All Ireland final dictated an All Ireland final from from kickouts. You know, um, it was phenomenal and very surprising a player of the year that year where he should have got player of the year. I've never seen a goalkeeper dictate an All Ireland final from his kickouts, and I was surprised that. How I think naive Mayo were uh, not standing on the outside, rather they kept standing on the inside, yeah. and Cluxon was hitting the pockets on, on left and right. And you know, Cluck, look, we talked. Cluxon was on a bit of free taking, like like Cluxon used to get have lined up the footballs across the forty-five meter line, and he he'd have t- ten balls or twelve balls across the forty-five and walk across the line and ping them over the black spot, bang, bang. So his trajectory of his kick out. Was consistency in, in the strike, and that was the one, like the one thing I would speak to our, our goalkeeper is about is that, you know, first of all it's about your technique and about hitting the sweet spot, and then it's about you know get then it's about working on the power, but it's about consistency your technique. Then it's about getting introducing the power into into your kick out then, but it's about getting connection on the ball. Worry about the the power when you have the technique mastered. So you're comfortable of going short right or short left or short middle or long uh, right or like or you know middle, 
So you have all these variations and different different boxes you want to hit with your goalkeepers, but it's about getting your technique and consistency. But also then, you know, ultimately it's decisions the goalkeeper. So it's it's left to the goalkeeper to make decisions. But as as it alluded to there, where Galway weren't shown for the goalkeeper, you have to have your six backs and your midfielders and your wing forwards tune into where you're running, and they're all shown for space. And then it's up to the goalkeeper to find that the right person, the right time. You know, but um, it's gone to a different level altogether. And look, I suppose it's better retaining possession. But like, you know, unfortunately, not all teams have good goalkeepers who can give a short kick out. You know, um, and there's other teams that've been involved where, you know, people say like, uh, why are you conceding the kick out? Well, I'd rather concede the kick out furthest away from my goal and let the, try and get the ball back and try and let them stop and get down the field rather than. Give, give a kick out to midfield where we're dominating midfield and they're closer to our, our goal. So there's different, look, you cut your cloths to measure. So there's so, so many different permutations, but goalkeeping at the, or the goal kick out this is just retaining possession. And like, you know, it's, it's, it, look, it's, I, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's improved the game, you know, where everyone is tuned in to, to, you know, to, to what the game is about, you know. That's it, exactly. And, um, Meg, it can be a lonely spot, really, for goalkeepers when teams do start to target it, and it can really get inside a goalkeeper's head mentally. And I suppose that's where teams are trying to get after Dublin to try and target their kickouts, but no one seems to master it as yet. Yeah, teams have done it for a while, but that's, you know, for a period in the game, but that just shows you how good Cluxon is, because he can adapt. You know he can see that's not working, and as Johnny says, it all depends on the on the on the type of keeper you have. Like, um, I suppose kickouts. You know they've probably gone back. I like, I the ninety was it nineteen seventy one Johnny game was on between Dublin and Kerry. Was it nineteen seventy one? The last day at the weekend. Kerry oh, Dublin. Was, oh, it was seventy seven or seventy four. Seventy seven is it? Sorry, seventy four, seventy four. And I, I just had a wee watch of that, and obviously every kickout's going straight out the middle, but both teams are going to catch the ball. Now. In my playing days, and I started playing under county football around 2009, 2008, 2009, uh, at senior level, all my managers always spoke about, if the ball's out, you're, if you're in opposition, you're not going to catch the ball, you're going to break it. You know, so it's going to be, it was harder for the midfielders actually to one primary possession because instead of going to catch, if, if you've an opposition kick out and somebody's going up with a fist behind you to lap a ball back, you know, it was all about the breaking ball. So teams adapted, and I suppose Cluxon was, you know, the, the man that changed everything uh, with the way he could do from short to long to medium size. I remember Paul Durkin, uh, for us, he had a lovely disguise kick. It used to kind of, he would, um, he would he would pretend, he would run up at it as hard as he could, and he would disguise it straight to the half-forward line. Rory Cavanagh usually be there, or Carol Lacey or something like that. And it was a great kick out. But um, I would go as far as to say, you know, I don't know if Johnny agree with me now, but goalkeeper is probably the most important position on the field at the minute. Um, and you can see teams teams are seeing that. Like they're finding like there, there's a lot of club teams around the country now are putting some of their better players and that their outfield players and goals just because they have that stability. They might not have a good keeper within their club. Um, like um, I, I know I know teams in Toronto are doing it. Um, but as I said, it's 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 cool now to be a goalkeeper. I said this last week. Um, it's 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 you, you see kids now going around with goalkeeper jerseys. You wouldn't see you wouldn't see that twenty years ago. You know, with Cluxon or Began or or Morgan or you know Sean Patton there. He he's last two years for Donegal. His kickouts are phenomenal. Like I was at a game up in Monaghan in, in the league this year where Monaghan had pushed up because he started off kicking them short. You know, like most teams are doing. So they had to push up and he nailed one nearly the length of the field. 
and we end up getting a goal off it. Patrick McBride scored a goal. So they're like the quarterback in American football. You know, I, we spoke last week of sweepers and sweepers were that for a time because they were around the number six between the fullback line and the centre. But the keepers now see everything. You see you see Megan, you see Morgan coming up the field. And this is going to just, it's its its going to be keepers. You know, they've, they've, they've re- revenue or revelized the game, in my opinion. Um, and kickouts, you can see the GA every year trying to put a stop to these short kickouts with changing rules and creating marks. But as Johnny says, and I think at, at this moment in time as we look at it, the game is about ball retention. You know, every team is trying for ball retention because if you kick a ball out 50-50, you know, you've, you have a half a chance of getting half a knot. But if you kick it out to a cornerback going at back that they're free, it's 100% and you're starting an attack. So, um it's, it's going to evolve even more. But yes, Cluxon started, but you have so many, you know, yeah, that Walsh fella from Leash, who's a top keeper as well. Cluxon, Began, Morgan, uh, Patton, as I said, there there's some phenomenal goalkeepers out there. And the the and, and the longer it's going on, you're going to see better ones because kids now want to be goalkeepers, you know. Yeah, you touched there on a few goalkeepers. Uh, I actually have a question now for Colty. Um, we'll start with you, Johnny. Who would you say in the current game now are the top five goalkeepers in inter-county football? Well, I suppose, well, just Mark Lidl's involved there, really. You've know, you Cluxon, Began, you've Morgan, um, you've got Patton, and you've got um, Walsh, is it from? At least you're saying least, that, yeah. yeah, like, look, the, the thing is, is, their attention to detail is is what, what I find, you know, is they're, they're looking at their attention to detail in their own kickouts, look at the attention to detail of the forwards. If you watch you now, um, like when we're talking to to our goalkeeper or our defenders, we would we say, look, if, if it's one on one, okay, and it's coming in from an angle, well then trust the goalkeeper to, to shut the angle. I don't want the defender going to the going the ball because the ball will be passed to, to the man you're leaving. So you trust the goalkeeper to close the angle off and you stay with your man. So it makes it harder for the the, the forward to get the shot off. So the keeper is trusting himself to, to pull the save. And it's, it's down to that fine detail where you would see, like, I suppose Cluxon, after the, he conceded a goal against, uh, was it O'Shea or um, what's it, Spillane in the final, remember? And it was down to his bottom left. And you could see Clucko was flat footed. And he spent two hours or three hours the following night on the on the laptop looking at his position and what he can rectify that he, that mistake doesn't happen again. And that's the detail that these guys are going to, and you know which will only benefit the club going forward, uh, teams going forward, or the football going forward, where you've the lads who are spending that time to to you know, see what the opposition's strengths and weaknesses are, where can I utilise, what's, what, okay, well, if, if a forward's coming through, well, is he, is he poor on his left foot? And that's where I always, I, I advise my players, within the, like, you should know the players you're going to mark, first and foremost, before the game. You know, if you're not sure of them, investigate them. Within the game, you should know within the first five minutes, mm-hmm. if you're playing, for example, if I'm centre-back, I know what, what side my player is going to kick off or what, what tendency he's like to turn left or right. If the midfielder ahead of me with the opposition, okay, if he's right foot, well, I'm going to show him onto his left. So all these little small, fine details that are being brought into the game and, that, you know, whereas it's, it's separating the gap between the exceptional, we've got a good county footballer, but you've got the, the top county footballers. And that's where the detail of they're able to think that fast 
and and when when their 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 brain their football brain is working so fast that they can read that situation and say, well, yeah, I'm not going to panic here. I'm going to force him onto his left side. He's going to have to play the ball, you know. And that's the type of stuff that Noel Morgan, Stephen Cluxon, and these keepers are at where they're kind of you know happy enough to as Mark loser, they can come out the field. They know when they come out the field to create the overlap to create that that, that, yeah. that runner up the field. So look. I think it's just you know, as Mark said, to they can change all the, all the rules they want, but the the lads are so intelligent. They'll come away, come away with and work on a system. You know, we've got so many stats involved now. Where you know, how do you identify this? How do you can get the better of this? And look, it's it's like you know, for me, it's 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 a it's a far better game. Um, you know, but like you know, I, I obviously stick to traditional. I'm a traditionalist myself, but. You know, I like to mix the game up, but you have to evolve as a coach and a manager and as players now in relation to where the game has gone, you know. Exactly. And Mark, uh, finally now, um, I suppose the fielding from kickouts, it's starting to come back into the game um, in the last few years. Starting a wee bit because of the, I suppose, the mark around the middle, but it's not as it's, it's not as it was back when I spoke about that game, um, the Dublin Kerry Ireland final was on last weekend, but... It's because, like, I know if I'm telling my team, you're not giving them a free catch in the middle field, so the ball goes out, you get your man to time the run, either break the ball or hit his arms, you know, to make sure that he doesn't catch the ball because you don't want to get prime recession. If it goes on the floor, it's a midfielder's job done or whoever broke the ball, and it's a half-forwards, half-backs, whoever to get under the ball. So um, it's coming back a wee bit. Um, one of the reasons it's coming back is because teams now are so, so kind of tuned in to pushing up so it is your six on six. So there, there's not as many bodies around the middle of the field as there was, say maybe four or five years ago. But it's 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 a massive point. Like I know there when I'm when I'm taking a team or being involved in the teams, like the four the four the four areas you look at, or as Johnny was saying, you go on the detail is our kickouts, their kickouts, when we have the ball or when we don't have the ball. Like, and I I maybe I'm not sure, but 20 years ago kickouts probably weren't even talked about. You know what it was kind of was more the ball's going out the middle. Make sure you're under the ball for the breaking ball. If he catches it be ready for the ball inside so it's um it is it is it's coming it's 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 come i suppose full circle as we said but cluxon started the whole thing he's just such a cool cool customer men have followed and i'm as i said there's going to be johnny johnny's completely right the detail they go into i watched the video there only about two weeks ago exactly sean Patton put it up on his instagram page and there was somebody he was he was doing um brad is on who two videos some of the donegal games and he was after a game and the he was up in the, the stand or something with a video camera and Sean Patton seen him and he was just messing about after the game and he put the tee down and he nailed it as Pike straight at the camera and it landed straight on the camera on the stand. Like that's how accurate these boys and Johnny's completely right. It's the detail they go into. Like them them lads, keepers, like I, I've just seen they'd be kicking maybe anything up to four or five hundred balls a night, you know, and, and that's what they're totally focused on. You know, they they do their own wee bit of fitness exercise that they need to, but kickouts, you know, I would even say, you know, if you have a choice of two keepers and one keeper is an unbelievable shot stopper, but he's poor enough in his kickouts, where another keeper is um, not so great in the shot stopping, but he's an unbelievable kickout, you're going with the man who's a good kickout. And you know maybe maybe people disagree with me, but that's my, that's my view. I, I would pick that man. I pick the man who has a better kick out because you're more chance of primary possession, as we spoke about earlier on. And um, you know, and that's in, in my view, kick out is just huge, huge part of part of our game right now. And as Johnny says, it's only going it's only going to be good. It's going to evolve. It's going to make more skill, and it's um, it's going to make make managers think. You know, think. 
That's it, exactly. Well, that's all on this week's part one of the Backdoor Football Show. Thanks very much for your time, lads. In part two of the Backdoor Football Show, I'm delighted to be joined by Donegal footballer and Kilcare footballer, Ryan McHugh. Firstly, Ryan, how are you managing during these times of uncertainty? Um, firstly, Paul, I'm delighted to be delighted to be on the podcast. Um, I hope all's all's going well for you. But uh, I suppose you know it's, it's, it is extremely difficult from a from a football point of view. You know, you can't. Uh, I suppose something that you you you're took over your life. You know, you were involved in football maybe six seven days a week. You know, and then for something like that to, to be taken away is, is difficult and it, and it's different. But uh, I think when you you think of the overall scheme of things, you know, and in life in general, you know, I think. Um, we're, we're fortunate to be here and we're fortunate to be healthy, which is the main thing. And is it hard as an inter-county footballer now to motivate yourself to be sticking to programmes now when there's no end goal in sight? I suppose it's it's a wee bit more difficult. I suppose that would depend on the individual, you know, what sort of person you are and what sort of player you are, you know. Um, uh, I think your motivation just has to come within yourself now where, where other times when you're training, you're... Your motivation could have came from, you know, your teammates or, or your management. You really have to just dig deep and find your own motivation now. Um, you know, personally for, for myself, I, I've sort of set just goals for myself to try and try and achieve during this stage, you know. So I'm sort of working towards that. I would have sat down just at, at the start and set a few goals for myself. And I'm just trying to work towards that and working towards that every day. And football is obviously massive in your house. Uh, you've played football. Mark's obviously played football as an analyst on the show. Your father's played football. Owen McHugh, your cousin, and James McHugh. So football is obviously massive since a young age till now in the McHugh household. It is, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, I suppose growing up, you know, from, from the first days that you, you get as far back as you remember, you know, you're always involved in football, whether that was going to watch football or training or kicking ball out the back you know whatever it was it was always football 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 you know but it, it, it's great you know I wouldn't have it any other way to be honest with you um, I, I love doing what I do I'm, I feel honoured and, and privileged every single time you get to wear the, the Kilkar jersey for my club and the, the county jersey for Donegal you know so I, I wouldn't have it any other way it's what I grew up wanting to do was play football and thankfully I've been given the opportunity to do that. What was your main area you focused on from a young age to to work on um, to get you to where you are today as a footballer? I suppose skill level, you know, I'm just trying to improve myself every year. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's such thing as a finished article, you know, no matter what age you are or, or what level you're at, you always can improve, you know. Um, I suppose just skill level. Growing up, my, my father would have always driven into myself and Mark um, about using our both feet, you know, we fit to, fit to kick off our both feet. It's hugely important and it's a, Hugely important skill, I think, in Gaelic football, you know. Um, so I would I would have worked on that a lot grow, growing up. But just overall skills of the game, you know. Yourself and Mark would have been outside the back of the house just kicking balls to each other all the time. And we used to kick it up in the roof of the house, you know, and, and try to catch the ball, you know, and, and just trying to time our jumps and stuff like that. So I think just the overall skills of the game was something that I try to improve, you know, as I, as I got older and, and started playing football for Donegal, you know, obviously the, the physical strength side of it became a lot more important and stuff like that, so I had to build myself up a lot more. And just before you were coming on the podcast, I was doing a bit of research, and you're actually a bit of a soccer player um, back in your day, and you went to trials uh, in England, I believe. Um, could you tell us about the experience of going over there for trials? Yeah, I suppose um, that does be throwing at me a lot then. 
Uh, it was great. I went over. I went over as a sixteen-year-old over to Redden uh, into their academy for the trial. Um, Easter week, actually, it was myself and my father came over as well. Actually, um, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, first and foremost, to be honest with you, as a as a sixteen-year-old to experience professional football, you know, was amazing, and it's something that'll stick with me. You know, um, listen, I, I wasn't. I wasn't good enough. My, my skill level, probably in soccer, just wasn't good enough. Um, it wasn't, but I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, as I said, to experience what it's like to play or to train at, at professional level. You know, you were you were training uh, coming in in the morning, and your breakfast and all was there, and the, all the senior players and all the, at Redden at the time were, were walking around, and it, it was unbelievable just to see the difference. You know, which was good, and it definitely improved me even as a as a Gaelic footballer. By I was fit to come back to my club that time with with Kilkiar, and I was playing with Donegal under 16s at the time, and just. To take back the experience that he had learned when I was over there, you know, was great. And you obviously had to choose then between soccer and Gaelic football. Was that a tough decision for you? No, it definitely wasn't a tough decision. You know, um, as I said, I, I wasn't I wasn't good enough to make it at soccer. You know, I was never going to I was never going to make it across the water and, and soccer. You know, I, I I used to I, I don't get me wrong. I, I enjoyed playing every minute. I played for my, my local club in Kelly Beggs in Catherine. So it was who Seamus Coleman would have played for. So. That was the, the closest team. There's no actual um, soccer club in Kilkiar, so a lot of the Kilkiar boys would go down there. But I enjoyed every minute of it. But it was more of a, it was more of a pastime probably for me um, than than you know, Gaelic was the be all and end all. You know, so it was. So don't get me wrong. I made great friends, and I'm still friends with through soccer, and then get on the best with, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And we were actually a successful enough team, but. Um, I, I, it was just Gaelic was always number one for me. Just it, the family I grew up in, you touched on the family, you know, and stuff like that. Everything that I grew up in was always Gaelic, so it, it definitely wasn't a hard decision. No. And your Donegal underage career, um, minor level wasn't the most successful. Um, under 21, you lost three Ulster finals. Did that teach you a lot as a player going on to senior? Because usually in football you can tend to learn more from your defeats than your victories. Did that teach you a lot? Um, I suppose, you know, when I was underage in Donegal, um, it's probably a lot more, you know, the, the teams definitely were not as successful as they are now, you know. Um, thankfully, in the last number of years, we've had a wee bit of success at minor level and, and under 21 in Donegal. Um, Unfortunately, when, as I said, when I was there, they weren't as successful, so they weren't. Um, well, I suppose, yeah, you do learn a lot more. The three the three Ulster final defeats in under-21 level, you know, stick stick with me to this day. You know, um, just not to be fit to get over the line was hugely disappointing. You know, we felt we felt every year that we had a good enough team and we put a lot, a lot of effort into, into every year. And, and not to get over the line was tough. Now, don't get me wrong, we come up against... Two very good cabin teams and, and a very good throwing team, you know, who went on to win the Ireland actually that year. And, and we came in with a kick of a ball in all, maybe uh, by the first year, but in all the matches, you know. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that sticks with me, not not being fit to get over the line in them matches, you know. And what do you learn from it? Yeah, I suppose you definitely do. And in, in, in all matches, you know, not just under underage, in all matches, you don't win, you'll, you'll learn something from it. But it's, it's something that sticks with me, not being fit to get over the line in, in them under 21 matches is deeply sad. In 2012, you're obviously looking on as a sporter in Donegal one day, All Ireland. But they were terrific scenes to see Michael Murphy, Colin McFadden, your brother Mark playing a key role as well. What was it like looking from the outside that day when they won the All Ireland? It, it, it was great, it was unbelievable. You know, as a Donegal supporter, 
them days don't come around too often, you know. Um, we've only had two of them in our lifetime, um, or in the history of that of, of Donegal lifetime, you know. But um, it's just, you know, I suppose pride, you know, it goes back to the men's pride for, for Donegal and the men, you know, for Mark, I suppose, being involved with that, that wee bit extra special for, for the McHugh family, you know. So it was great. Um, I suppose as a family, we're extremely lucky, lucky that. Dad was, was pit side. He was fortunate enough to be an analyst with BBC that day, and he happened to be pit side. And he got to meet Mark at, at, on the pitch. You know, I suppose the, the famous picture came out afterwards. The two of them were embraced on the pitch. So, so I suppose that made it a wee bit extra special that Dad was to fit to be on the pitch with Mark at the time. But nah, it, it was just unbelievable days for Donegal football. You know what? What that team uh, and that era have done for Donegal is, is unbelievable. You know, young people that. You know, Donegal would be a, a big, a big sporting county, not just Gaelic soccer. You know, all there's there's lots of different sports being played. So, I think what what that victory in 2012 would have done in that era of the team would have done that a lot of younger players are are playing Gaelic football now because they see that the team's successful. And what was it like for you getting called in uh, in 2013 uh, by Jim McGinnis? It was it was my dream come true to be honest with you. You know. Um, Ever since, ever since I can remember, and ever since I went into to Townie, football pitching Kilkiar, the local club, it's, it's all I wanted to do was play for Donegal and get called into the senior panel. Um, to be called in the year after the Ireland, the Ireland victory, you know, um, I, I, I got the chance to play with my heroes, you know, which, which was phenomenal to, to train and to work alongside these boys that I looked up to, you know, likes of Ciar Lacey. Frank McGlynn, Neil McGee, Michael Murphy, Paul McFadden, all these boys were, were my heroes growing up and my role models, you know, and, and to get the chance to, to train with them and, and to see how they conduct themselves was, was a dream come true. And then uh, 2014, you obviously got promoted uh, back to Division 1. Uh, you won the Ulster title. But that game against Dublin, you played a key role. You scored 2-2. Two, two. But that must have given you some amount of confidence because Dublin Merdine talked about it was just a matter of time that they won the All-Ireland and Jim McGinnis master class of his tactics that day. What was that like to beat Dublin in Crow Park? Yeah, um, it was an unbelievable day, you know, for Dundall again. Um, I suppose that day even was, was a wee bit extra special, the fact the Miners actually won before us who were probably in the same situation as ourselves being written off by a lot of by a lot of pundits and in, in, in the media were you know um it was really surreal you know don't don't get me wrong we always believed going into the match that we were going to win it you know i know it's it's easy saying that afterwards but we believed 100 percent we were going to win that match you know if we we felt if we performed to the best of our ability we were fit to beat beat dublin that day and and thankfully we did um you know football's very, very thin margins, you know, and, and the first half, I think, Jeremy McConley had a goal chance to put them six or seven points up. If, if he scores that, Dublin could go on to win the game comfortably, you know, but I think after that after that miss, you know, the, the tide started to turn a wee bit and I think what was a huge part in that game was the fact we went in one and at half time and probably not have played our best and we still actually went in a point up at half time was, was huge for us and thankfully we came out the second half and really started to, to play our best football and, and we never looked back. Then moving on to the final last year against Kerry, it's probably one that hurts you as players, I'd say. Very unfortunate for Paul Dirk and just to kick out fell to the wrong man, Donaghy, and he's able to slot it in. That was really the difference between the sides. It was more, it was a very defensive final, but it probably hurts you as players just to lose that final by a goal. Yeah, you know, I still have nightmares, to be honest with you, over that match. Um, 
just if there's one I suppose we feeling Donegal got away, you know, don't get me wrong, Kerry on the day fully deserved their victory, so they did. They 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 played the better football, we just didn't get going. Um I definitely would not blame Paul Durkin and the slightest for, for anything, no, not 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 at all. Probably Paul is been Donegal's best ever goalkeeper, if, if not even one of Donegal's best ever players, you know. So I wouldn't blame Paul for anything. You know, everybody everybody makes mistakes, unfortunately, as a goalkeeper. Sometimes when you make, make a mistake, it, it can be costly. But uh, it's definitely one that, that would hurt and, and will hurt for, for my life. You know, definitely, definitely is. I think all the players that were involved that day will say the same. We, we just didn't get going. We didn't play. We didn't play at all, you know. Um, could, couldn't get into our rhythm. Uh, couldn't get... Just couldn't get get going on the day. Um, I do think there was nerve. Yeah, there probably was a wee bit, but I don't think that was any excuse or anything like that. You know, Gary just were a better team on the day, to be honest with you. And, and we and we didn't perform, and, and it, we left to love with for the rest of our lives. And Jim McGuinness, he's obviously worked in over now uh, with different soccer teams. He's in the US now working with a soccer team. He's worked with Celtic. What was it like to work under him um, for those years? It, it, it was it was very very enjoyable. I suppose number one, you know, um, I feel I feel very fortunate as a as a footballer to every manager that I've played under has has been exceptional. You know, every, every one of them has made me a better player, and in different and different ways. You know, um, Jim, I suppose, was was a ph- phenomenal manager. What he's what he's done for Donegal football uh, has 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 been unbelievable. You know. Um, to be fair, he probably he probably transferred the team coming into a team in in two thousand and ten that were probably low in confidence and and, and not playing that well. And two years later, to be All Ireland champions is is the stuff of dreams, you know. So um, for me, as, as I said, it's it's I've been extremely lucky as a footballer to play under some of the top top managers in Ireland, you know, um, which which is great. And I suppose Jim, I think one of his biggest strengths would would would. Would be that he, he brought it every single night, if that if that makes sense. You know, he, he Jim Jim treated every single training session as if it was the night before the Ireland. You know, no matter if it was the fifth of December, fifth of January, or, or the fifth of August. You know, whenever it was, every every training session was treated the exact same way. And I think that went under the players, and, and we fed off that, and that that was made that them team special. Then Rory Gallagher obviously got the job. Did you feel as players um, pre Jim McGuinness, like you played some sublime football and you played unbelievable footballer under Declan Barnett, but did you just feel under Corey Gallagher that you didn't live up to your potential as a team? Um, I suppose, um, yeah, I suppose success would 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 say that you know we, we didn't have the we didn't have the same same success. Um, uh, it's you know as, as as I went back to the Dublin game football. Football's a very thin line, you know, and 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 matches and and seasons can be defined on on very thin things, you know. Um, Rory, Rory, Rory had ex- strengths and weaknesses, not like every, not or the same as you'd say as, as every manager, you know. And uh, uh, don't get me wrong, Rory, Rory knows his football, and, and I enjoyed every single minute under. But I think he just got a wee bit unlucky as a manager, you know. And probably on the the days he lost the final as a team, we just didn't perform, you know. Um, he kept us in Division One, so he did. And as as a manager and stuff like that, which in Donegal is wouldn't other other years gone by would have been classed as successful. But I suppose the the targets and, and ambitions of, of the current Donegal team and I suppose that area that era of, of players, you know, uh, we aim 
to be the best and, and all Ireland's and Ulster titles was, was the minimum that, that we were wanting to achieve, you know. So I suppose not, not to win anything them years was, was extremely disappointing. 2016, probably the one that we feel extremely disappointed about that against Tyrone, you know, which was a real dong battle in the Ulster final. And to come out the wrong side of it after putting ourselves in a one in position was, was extremely disappointing. Touching on the Ulster Championship, they're obviously the most competitive championship of the provincials. What's it like to play? It's great, you know, it's 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 unreal. Every every match is as I said, it's a ding dong battle, so it is every single match, no matter who you're playing, no matter if it if, if it's one, one one class is one of the bigger teams, you know, or, or one of the weaker teams. Um you have to be at it, you know. Um, from first from first whistle to the last whistle you have to be at it. Um we, you know, it's different because we have the peak for, you know, if you if you took this year, if it went ahead, we were down to play Tyrone on the, I think it was the 15th of May. So we were going to have to really, really peak for the 15th of May, so we were, which is probably different maybe to other other um, provinces who, who might be looking at the peak earlier. So I love it. You know, as I said, we, we know no difference in Donegal as other counties would. It's it's, it's just the way it is. Ulster, an Ulster title in Donegal is, 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 is a huge thing, you know. We, we haven't thankfully we, we've been successful the last number of years but before that we weren't we weren't too successful in them so so we take everyone as we treat it like like our first you know so so it's a great Declan Bonners came in uh, from 2018 and 2019 now he's transformed your game to more of a kick passing game but that obviously took a lot of work at the start as you weren't as much of a kick passing team here now but are you enjoying it and players playing under the current system you're playing now I think I think we're expressing ourselves well, you know. Um, I think to be fair, there's a lot of a lot of talent in Donegal and a lot of exciting players, young young players coming through, you know. And then you you obviously have the, still the older boys like Michael Murphy and Neil McGee and Paddy McGrath and these boys. So we're, we we have a good enough mixture at the minute of of youth and and experience, you know. So it's it's just a matter of time to put it all together and trying to find that best way of playing football for us. Um, I think. You can't really just say that you've won style of football. I think every given day you play, you have to be different. You know, um, I think if, if you if you only have the one style, you become too predictable. So, listen, if we were going out to play Tyrone in the morning, or and, and the day after we were playing Dublin or Kerry or Mayo, I think every single game we'd have we'd have a different tactic. You know, so going back to your point on on kicking the ball, yeah, I think we're we're trying our best to 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 kick more ball and 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 to try get it up to the forwards a lot quicker. We feel in Donegal we've extremely talented ball players up in the forward line who can who can get the ball over the bar. So the quicker we get the ball to them, the better. It's been great, obviously, for you as players to win back to back Ulster titles. But is there a sense of disappointment that you weren't able to push on to an All Ireland semi final, twenty eighteen uh, losing to Dublin and Tyrone, and then. 2019, um, drawing with Kerry and then losing to Mayo and Castlebury. Is there a sense of frustration within uh, your camp that you haven't pushed on? Yeah, there definitely would be. Um, I suppose both years we felt we were good enough to to progress. Um, I suppose that that just comes down to players to, to go and do it. You know, um, we we don't we don't like to make excuses. You know, I suppose on on the day again we just weren't good enough. Um, Again, the one that would hurt really is the Mayo game last year and, and the Tyrone one before that. Two two massive matches, you know, the, the Tyrone one in 2018 in Bay in our own backyard, you know, and again put ourselves in a one in position and, and couldn't see it out. Um, last year against Mayo just didn't perform on the day. So these, these are things that we need to put right as a team, you know, and, and need to put right very quickly. 
Um, I suppose the National League this year, we would we would have worked on stuff like that. So it's just when 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 we aren't performing, we try and to still grind out victories and stuff or, or results. Um, definitely would be a sense of huge disappointment that the fact that we couldn't uh, get through the group either year when when we felt we were good enough and and felt we'd put ourselves in good enough positions. Yeah. That Kerry game last year in the Super 8, um, it was on the Sunday game day. Uh, what a game it was, 120 apiece. An unbelievable performance by yourself, uh, 29 possessions. But what was it like as a player to be involved in that game? Because it was just end-to-end stuff, no systems, just proper attacking football. It was it was very hectic, you know. Um, it was tough going, but um, but but a great game, you know. And then them sort of games as a footballer you want to be involved in. Great, great battles between two top teams, you know, um, and two teams just going at it and having a go and and and, and giving it their all and trying to win the game for their county, you know. So, um, I, I suppose when you're when you're involved in it and uh, you're so engrossed in the match, you, you probably don't realise how good of a match it is until you actually get home, get home that night or the next day and and watch it back, you know. Uh, when when you're involved in it, you're just so engrossed on trying to win the game and, and trying to get the next ball or, or get the next score, you know. So. Um, so watching it back, yeah, it was an unbelievable match. I suppose, from a Donegal's point of view, we we'd be disappointed not not to have seen it out. I suppose Kerry would be saying the exact same thing. But from our point of view, we'd be disappointed not to have seen it out. We felt again we we put ourselves in a position to to win the match. You know, when when we went a point up, I think we scored a point to put us a point up going into our an injury time. You know, so um, you know, then them things that we need to work on for for the coming year. Hopefully, whenever we get back playing football, whether it's this year or next year, um, them them things that we need to work on. You must be optimistic, though. Kerry were so close to Dublin. Yeah, you drew with them. Um, they brought Dublin to a replay and really put them down to the wire. So you must know you're in fair way from getting back to an All Ireland final. Listen, that's the that's the aim and that's the goal of every team, not just Donegal, is, is to get to, to the Ireland final. You know, um, as 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 I touched on earlier, we we feel we've exciting footballers and we feel we've good footballers in Donegal. But um, I, I don't think you can you can look at the Ireland finals or anything like that until you go out and, and produce it every single day. And as 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 from Donegal, we we produced it in spells. You know, but we need to do that consistently over. Five, six, seven matches, whatever it takes, you know. What's it like to play with Michael Murphy? Probably one of Donegal's greatest ever footballers. Some of the scores he gets from the ground in open play, 45, just ridiculous. What's it like to play with that man? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You know, uh, Michael Michael will probably go down as, as Donegal's best ever player, you know, and, 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 and rightly so. He's, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal person, first and foremost, you know. Um, he's, he's a great so he is off the field. Um, I think what what separates Michael from from everyone else is his qualities as a person and, and as a leader. You know, um, don't get me wrong, he's an unbelievably talented. So he is, but but there's a lot of talented footballers out there. What what separates Michael is leadership abilities and 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 the way he lives his life um, as, as as a person and as a footballer. You know, everything he does. It's just based towards him becoming a better player and Anthony Gall becoming a better team. And I think that's what drives him every single day. And, and you know, I think it's no shock when Michael really came on the scene in Donegal around 2010 with under-21s and then came onto the seniors team in 2011 is one of the main, main reasons why Donegal started achieving. 
Absolutely. Um, Stephen Rockford came from Curving, came from Mayo, and you're really starting to see the Curving stance, I feel, in your team. Um, but what's it like to have that sort of coach uh, within the Donegal setup? I think we've we had to go before we get caught up in yet. They've three elected medals in a row. <laughs> but, uh, no, listen, Stephen, Stephen's great. So he has he's really been a, a breath of fresh air, you know, Um He's brought something different to Donegal um, that that we probably wouldn't have experienced. You know, we we we'd be used to Donegal coaches or Ulster coaches up, up here a lot. You know, just just from where we're based. But Stephen has come in with new ideas and, and fresh ideas and uh, different ideas. I suppose is a good word of using that. You know, I suppose it's going back to that kicking the ball more and, and trying to play the ball faster and move the ball up the field faster, leaving more men off the pitch. And he, he's really brought the. Uh, different ideas to, to that which we would probably wouldn't have been used to as much in Donegal you know so it's great uh, again he's a great fella so he is and he really really knows his football he's a huge man and in, in, in all types of sports but especially GA you know so it's great and he's, he's a great man to have evolved and, and hopefully it'll last as long as possible and as you're touching you said you said you do have some great players in Donegal but the young lads coming through Michal Langan is really starting to come into himself Oshin Gallen. Jamie Brennan had a terrific year last year. But I suppose you want to keep developing the panel within Donegal. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think every single year, no matter no matter who you are, you know, I'd say if you ask Dublin, they, they try and improve their panel every single year. Um, and you, so I think every single team has to try and, you know, whether that's one player, ten players, it doesn't matter, you know, but I think you have to have to try and improve your team. Uh, otherwise, you just become you'll become stale, you know. Um, but as I said, we, we've been fortunate. I think every year since I've been involved, anyway, you know, with, with the Donegal setup, there's been new players coming in and really giving a, a, a fresh a breath of fresh air to the team and really pushing the older boys on, you know. And, and, and I don't think anybody's really guaranteed spots in the team, which is great. There's there's huge competition, and, and that's what you want. That's it exactly. Um, touching on your league campaign this year. Um, you lost to Galway and you did have a free at the end to equalise it. So you look back at that with disappointment. You look back to the Dublin game as well with disappointment, but you did pick up three victories. So I suppose really looking back at the league, when you had yourself in winning positions in the two games you lost, um, it wasn't the worst league campaign, really. It wasn't, you know, and uh, I think you can add the Mayo game into that as well. The one we drew the very first day, we were, were they got a last kick of the game goal. So that's another game that... We felt we should have won, you know. I think every game we played in, we, we felt we could have won the game, you know, which is which is promising, but it's also worrying in, in another sense, the fact that we didn't win them, you know. So I think that's something that we really have to focus on and, and, and try to get better on in, in Donegal is, is when we are in one in position to see in the game out, you know, and whether that's coming up with a tactic of, of trying to see games out or whether that's picking on. And, and score more points or trying to score more points, you should say. You know, I think we need to, when, when we do get back playing and back uh, and training, is something that we really need to work on. Because, as you said, yeah, we felt we had a we had a, an OK league campaign so far. We felt we were going in the right direction. We were, we were progressing. But, you know, we felt every game we could have won it. And there must be some reason behind why we didn't want it. So we'll try and figure that out. Touching on your club now, Kilgare, um, you ended a 24-year wait for a county title in 2017, which is obviously phenomenal. You do have a great club team when you look at the paper yourself, um, Mark McHugh, Owen McHugh, Paddy McBrady, Stephen McBrady. There's some great players in there, but then when you look at the Donegal Championship and how the clubs have done, uh, Guido, 
and the Glenties, obviously, this year. Donegal club football is very competitive. It is, yeah, which is great. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of top teams in, in Donegal. You, you as you touched on, you have the Gidors, you have the Glenties, you have Union Saint Unions, you have Glenswally, you have Saint Michael's. You know, you have you have a lot a lot of top top teams in the county with a lot of good players. So, uh, to win to win the county championship is definitely not easy. So it's not. Um, listen again, going back to the same sort of thing as Donegal and, and Kilcar, we feel we have a lot of good footballers. So we do, you know. Um, thankfully, in, in 2017, we, we got over the line. You know, we were we were there thereabouts for a few years and, and knocking on the door. But to uh, to finally get over the line in, in 2017 was something extremely special. You know, the the people of Kilkyar, to be fair, are, are football mad. So they are, you know, they would they would live and breathe GA. So it is that the GA, the, the local club, would be the would be the heartbeat of the community, you know. Um, everything everything that goes on would be centered around the, the GA club. So it would so. Um, to finally get over the line in 2017 was something extremely special, and the scenes in Kilkyar after the after the game, you know, and on the pitch with celebrating with all the fans and getting back into Kilkyar town that night was something that'll live with me for the rest of my life. That the scenes were unbelievable, you know. Was it disappointing that year that you didn't push on in Ulster? You obviously came up against a terrific Slocknail team, but that was a game I. Feel you probably feel as players that you probably feel you should have got over the line. Yeah, um, I suppose going back to that year, you know, it, you know, it was such a long wait for for a county championship. We we probably you know we we, we celebrated it a wee bit afterwards and stuff like that. And yeah, we got over the line against Scotstown, played very well, you know, and 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 assessed things after that. Um, going to the Slocknail game, um, it was really bonus territory for us. I suppose at that stage, you know, um. Slough Neil were the kingpins of Ulster at that stage, so it was, um, listen, did we feel we could win the game? Yeah, of course we did, and we felt confident going into it. We, we went in at half-time, a point up, and felt confident then, so we did. Um, but I think, to be fair to Slough Neil in the second half, they, they really showed their class, and they really they really just showed how to, how to win a game, to be honest with you. You know, they, 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 you know, when we were starting to get on top, they really turned on the, the afterburners and, and buried us into the ground a wee bit, you know, and something that we that we, we need to learn from, you know, that uh, when we are on top of teams, it's something that we need to do, you know. Exactly. You went through concussion uh, in 2018. Was that scary, I suppose, as a player to go through that? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, it does a wee bit. Um, I suppose at the time when it happens, you're, you're, you're very, you know, you're very scared to you are, um, I don't think it'll probably really, really hit you until after you retire. You're that engrossed in just getting back, you know, when, when you get it the first time. Or any time, sorry, I should say, you're that, you're that engrossed in getting back, just back playing for your club or your county, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, personally, from my experience on it, you know, um, I was extremely fortunate that, that I had a, a top, top doctor and, and Dr. Kevin Moran right beside me when it when it happened, you know, so I was taken care of straight away. Um yeah, I suppose any anything to do with the head, you always are going to be a wee, a wee bit worried, obviously, you know. But uh, I think you're that engrossed and just getting back. You, you don't try not think of it that much. Exactly. Um, finally, touching now, the Camorra Spelling of Wales Act uh, is obviously something that's important to you in Kilcare. And you won it in 2014 and you got to the final last year. Um, is that a big competition for you as players? Um, Listen, as as club players, yeah, it is. It's it's a great competition. So it is unfortunate. Unfortunately, as a county player, you don't probably get to play in it as as much as you would like because it normally falls 
around uh, when when you might have a match or you could have a match the next week. So it's just not not probably possible to, to go to it and then play, you know. Um, but as as a club player, it's 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 a great competition. So it is. I think it's a great way of team bonding as well. You know, um, you get to go away for a weekend. I know the boys last year went down to Kerry and a great weekend. You know, went down and and played played their football and got to know each other a lot a lot lot better. You know, so. Um, it, it's something. Uh, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to getting to go to and getting to play in when, when I re, when, whenever I retire from Donegal, you know, and, and, and stop playing for that. It's something that I'll, I'll really, really look forward. To. I know my club Kilkyar actually now the coronavirus or this whole situation could change matters, but I know they were down to hosting in, in 2024. So as, as a club, that's something extreme to, to look forward to, you know, and it, it's something that. Brings a lot of togetherness in the community, community because a lot of people get involved in, in the in the setting up of it, and then so so much goes on, you know, and it, and it brings so much people to the area, you know, it, it's great. Well, that's perfect, Ryan. Thanks a million for your time, and uh, I wish you best luck with Donegal whenever the season starts. Hopefully, there'll be some action. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs>